been up with friends and family. It's the Hey Day Podcast with Haley and David. Hi, y'all. This is the Hey Day Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. I'm Haley. And I'm David. And we are Korean American siblings just out of college. And this podcast is our way of keeping in touch with you, our friends and family all around the world. For our listeners, we have some fantastic news. We are over the moon about this. This is this is what the moment we've all been waiting for. Haley, <laughs> you are in Korea. I am in Korea. Um, at the time of this recording, I've been in Korea for a total of three days. How do you feel about that? Um, I I feel good. I'm like really happy to be back. I think it's been a really long journey, and it has been a goal of mine to be back here. And uh, but getting here was quite the struggle. Yeah, it, it seems like you had you ran into quite a few situations on your way there, but that's what this entire podcast is going to be about. Um, so we'll go through your journey from home in the U.S. to the quarantine. So let's go ahead and get started. So first, we'll cover the flight, then the processing part, and then the actual quarantine, which is the portion that you're in right now. Right. So first question, walk me through the check-in process and getting to the gate, because things are a little bit different just considering, you know... Um, the state of the world right now. So was there anything different about the way you went about this? Right. Well, actually, masks are uh, required at every step of the way. And um, I don't think this is particularly unusual, but when I checked in, I could not check in online because it was an international flight and the boarding agents, or not the boarding agents, uh, like the check-in agents had to like personally go through my documents. So one oh. of the requirements for going to Korea is that you have to have a PCR COVID test taken within 72 hours of your departure time. And so I had to go to the desk and like, to check in and like give them all my documents and have them go through everything and um, ask me some COVID-specific questions before even getting my boarding pass. Um, so that was a little bit different. Also, when going through security and going through that whole process, everybody was wearing masks, but you have to pull it off for the agents to check your identity really quick. Like, it's really fast. Mm-hmm. You just pull it down for three seconds, they check it, and then you move on. Other than that, I think the process was very similar. There were a lot fewer people at the airport, um, but not as few as I expected, you know? Yeah, yeah. You'd think like during COVID, I was flying flying, like at 6 Mm -hmm. a.m. on a weekend. And so you would think that there's not going to be a lot of people, but there were a surprising number of people. Now, was there a surprising amount of people for your flight or just in the airport in general? I think both. So actually, I had two flights. I had a domestic flight to get to a larger airport than the airport that we were we live closest to, and then from that domestic airport, I went to Korea. Um, Got so it. for the domestic flight, there was a lot more people. Uh, I was actually very surprised at how many people there were. Um, they had blocked off like the middle middle row. So if there's three seats, the middle row was like or the middle seat was completely blocked off. But even then, there was it was a full flight. It was a full flight of people. Uh, so I was very surprised. So you were just talking about your domestic flight um, and how they blocked off the middle seat, but you were surprised. Um, what were some other things that happened on that domestic flight? Sure. So normally on domestic flights, even, they serve like drinks, right? Like drinks and snacks. And um, while they did serve those things, they kind of upped the ante a little bit. So there are like these pre-packaged packets, um, like in Ziploc bags, and it contains like a hand sanitizer uh, wipe and then um, like a, 
packet of goldfish, a packet of graham crackers, a, bo- a small bottle of water, and um, a couple other like little little things. And so instead of stopping at every row and asking what you wanted, they would just give you a bag, uh, um, and, which makes it a lot simpler and easier. There's a lot less, you know, transactions, no open drinks and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that was uh, my experience with the domestic flight. I thought that was a really good idea. The flight attendants did ask people who took off their masks to put them back on. And um, thankfully, everybody was compliant. And it, it was just overall like a fairly normal experience, you know? I think people were just like much more conscious of washing their hands and using hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. And this brings us to our next question. Uh, what was the flight to Korea like? Because you said our, for the domestic flight, you know, um, they give you these little prepackaged meals. Um, but on a flight to Korea, which is 14 hours, you know, they'll usually serve a meal. How did they kind of navigate that? Right. So even before we got on the flight, uh, things were a little bit different. I actually met up with some of my other Fulbrighters in the airport that we were all flying out of. And uh, while we were waiting, all of us, like specifically our names, were getting paged by like the boarding gate officials, people that are at the boarding gate. I don't know what they're called, but uh, they work for the airline and and they were like listing off the people that they needed to come to the counter. And it was all our names. And we're like, what is happening? Are we getting like kicked off this flight? Like, oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, oh gosh. But uh, we had to fill out some extra forms um, to verify certain things about our stay. We're on a very specific visa uh, that's different than most English teachers and most actually people in general. It's not a very common visa. And so people weren't really sure how to like deal with that and um, mm-hmm. for our specific situation. And so we had to basically talk to the boarding uh, boarding attendants and stuff for quite a while, quite a while to figure that out. And then the flight to Korea itself, you asked about the meals. So they always serve two meals. And then they usually serve two snacks. And by snacks, I mean like, like that's a hefty snack. And I'll explain that in a second. <laughs> so the meals were fairly normal. Um, I've been on two flights to and from Korea before. And the meals were just kind of the same as, as per normal. People tend to try to eat fast. Like I noticed everybody on the flight tried to eat fast just so that they could like pull their mask off eat and then put it back on the flight itself was very empty and so we all had a road to ourselves and there were several rows that were actually empty um so people were able to lay down you could lay down on your entire row like put the armrests up and have like a mini bed it was so comfortable we're getting spoiled by all these empty flights um so it was it was great in that regard but the food was good as is I think all the food for like Korean Air or Asiana, which are the two main airlines that I've flown with to and from Korea. Um, the food was just good as usual. Um, <laughs> it was fun though, actually. The flight attendants, when they see me, they automatically just assume I'm Korean. <laughs> and I remember distinctly the first time I went to Korea, I couldn't understand them at all, right? I had to like repeatedly say English, please. Like, I'm sorry, I don't speak Korean. I don't speak Korean. So this time I was able to do everything in Korean and it was it was really it was really cool to be able to like see that progress from when I first went to yeah, Korea to now. That's super exciting. Yeah. And then the snacks, I mentioned snacks. So they serve usually two rounds of snacks between the meals and the first snack was like a choice of like a, a pork filled bun, a little mini sandwich type thing and and you know some other other things so you could choose one and then you have a drink with it and then later on they also provide kind of like the the standard, you know, prepackaged snacky things. 
And so the meals were all excellent. Um, actually, in one of them, there's sashimi. If people are into wow. it, it's like a sashimi salad. Yeah, fancy, fancy, right? And uh, so the meals were were very good for airline food, I think. Yeah, so now that you've gone through that whole entire process and you landed in Korea, do you have any advice for others that are making this trip? Um, maybe tips on sanitation or navigating a flight during this pandemic. Is there any tips that you can give? Yeah, I would say try to wear the best mask you can buy. I think like a lot of people were wearing cloth masks, which is good. Like We should all be wearing masks, but... Um, I think trying to find a mask that really helps protect you and protect others uh, is, is really important. Also, I brought a pack of like Clorox wet wipes to sanitize like, you know, my seat, my area and everything. And those were super useful. I used them uh, every step of the journey. I will warn everyone that when you're going through security, they will probably pull whatever bag you have the wipes in because they have to open, physically open the wipes and check inside to make sure that it's not anything else, that it is just wipes. Mm -hmm. uh, so just be aware of that, that that might happen to you. But I think overall, just like have sanitation things with you, wipe things down and um, don't be one of those people. I did see a lot of people walking around the airport, especially in the US with a drink in hand. And then whenever one of the officials would come up to them and say, you need to put your mask on, they would just say, I'm drinking. And so they can't stop you if you're eating or drinking but like oh. it may, it renders everything useless, right? Yeah, so yeah. don't be that kind of, don't be that person. Do try to like be in one area before you eat and drink so that you're not like walking around without a mask on. Yeah, it's unfortunate that that kind of stuff happens. Um, but I, I want to go back to a topic that we covered, I think in the last podcast that we did, the microphone and other technology things. Um, how is that process like going through security, your TSA check, navigating that did they give you any problems did they want to take a look at it or be like what's this this is a weird looking thing i've never seen this before yes so like actually my microphone which i'm using right now kind of looks very suspicious like it doesn't look it really does yeah yeah it, it, really, it looks really suspicious let's just be real um and so i did get my bags pulled by the tsa check and so they just very quickly went through my stuff and it was fine uh but yeah just Bring cleaning supplies, stay safe, keep your distance, all the normal stuff. There's not much else you can do, right? Like, it's mm -hmm. not like you can really avoid this. You bring up, like, sanitation for yourself, um, but did you notice any, like, cleaning measures or sanitation me uh, measures that the staff were doing on the airplane? Um, yes, I guess. They handed out, like, as immediately as you board, they hand out, like, hand sanitizers. Like, little hand, like, mini, um packets like wipes and then they usually try to keep their distance so like i said before instead of like passing out snacks and stuff like that they just quickly give you a bag mm -hmm. and it helps them go through a lot faster i think they should do that all the time honestly like that was great i loved it um yeah. but other than that i don't think so i believe before we board they spray down the plane like the inside of the plane with mm -hmm. a disinfectant but other than that i don't think that there's anything particularly um different i know that they on all the airplanes, they have switched out the filters, the air filters, the HIPAA yeah, filters. Yeah, they have the HEPA filters now. Yeah, yep. HEPA filters, and they actually bring in outside air instead of recycling. So Ah, very yeah. cool. Awesome. Well, now that we've kind of talked about your flight and the 
actually making it to Korea. Let's go ahead and move on to part two and talk about going through processing once you land in Korea. Um, because there is that two-week quarantine mandated by the Korean government. So first question, what happens once you're off the plane? Yeah, so this is where things get fun. Um, compared to the flight, like the flight was like not fun. Right? It's 14 hours, you're sitting, and it's just kind of like tiring and boring. But like processing, it was an ordeal for me specifically. So once you get off the plane, uh, you are supposed to have four forms filled out. So two forms are pretty standard on most international flights. One is a customs form and one is a traveler de declaration form. Those are normal. The other two forms are new. So the other two forms are basically where uh, where you're going to do quarantine, different symptoms you have, a health check, um, et cetera, et cetera. So once you get off the plane, you're supposed to have all those done so that you can just zip through processing. However, the line to processing is very long. I think uh, my friends and I, we all waited like an I would, uh, 45 minutes to an hour to even get to the station where you're supposed to be processed. And so once you go through, you go through this quarantine station and the quarantine station is essentially um, partially immigration because that's originally what it is. And then they also take your temperature and check your symptoms. If your temperature is high, which means over 37.5 degrees Celsius, or I believe that's 99. Five in Fahrenheit, about I don't know. Somebody else do the math. Um, but if you're over that, when they check you, they take you to another area for symptomatic, quote unquote, symptomatic people. Let's say that you pass everything and your temperature is fine. You continue on and you go through like customs. Um, you pick up your bags. You do the all that is normal, and then you have to like fill out some paperwork saying where you're going to quarantine. And they actually set up the app on your phone that you have to check in every day. So every day I have to report my symptoms, my temperature, et cetera, et cetera. And then they also require you to have a contact number. So because we're not Korean citizens, we are foreigners uh, with long-term visas, we are actually quarantining at a private facility, not the government facility. So because we're quarantining at a private facility, we need someone to vouch for us, like our boss or like our manager or someone. And so... Um, we have to provide the phone number for that person and they call them right there to double check that like, hey, you know that this person put your phone number, you're you're going to be responsible for them, et cetera, et cetera. So our coordinator was actually the phone number that we put and every single one of us had to verify um, that we were in fact not putting down a random phone number because <laughs> I guess people do that. Um, so yeah. And then you could just continue on and you go to a waiting area before getting taken to a hotel. And the hotel is regardless of whether you are going to be staying at a private facility um, or not. And so my friends were taken to a hotel where they were tested uh, for a PCR and a, and a throat swab, a, a rapid throat swab. And so they were going to stay at the hotel overnight until they get the results. And then in the morning, they would be transported to the site where we were all going to do quarantine together. That's what my friends did. So it's very straightforward. It takes a few hours because you have to wait for everything to go through, but you get to stay in a hotel overnight at the end of the day. And it's a nice hotel too. Um, that was not my experience. So let's back up to when we were going through quarantine station. At the quarantine station, I had a fever. Um, my temperature was like 37.9, which is 0.4 over what they, you know, accepted. But I also saw other people getting like 37.6, which is 0.1 over the limit. And uh, they were even pulled 
So it doesn't matter. 37.5 is a strict cutoff. And so we were taken to a separate area. Um, the first station that we had to go to was a symptom station. And basically you sat down with an official and they interviewed you about like your symptoms, any medical care you've, tr you've received in the past, um, anything that might be of health concern, where you were going to quarantine, um, what the procedure would be if you were in fact positive, et cetera, et cetera. The fun part about that was no one spoke English, um, like zero. So there is only one official that spoke uh, like a, a conversational amount of English. And there were so many foreigners um, that that person was overloaded. And so they took one look at me and they were like, do you speak Korean? And I'm like, I don't speak well. And they were like, okay, we don't care. We're, we're sending you to a Korean one. <laughs> <laughs> so they were, um, I had to go through this with a Korean, a, a very nice woman. She was like so patient and like talked really slow. Um, but I had to go through the whole process with like this Korean lady. And we're talking about like complicated things, you know, like it's not easy to explain, you know, your visa, where you're going to quarantine, the quarantine plan, what you exactly need. Cause like what I needed is a little bit different than what Korean citizens need. And it's very different from what other foreign teachers need. So they're not used to having the situation uh, with my particular visa and my particular company. So I had to explain all this in Korean and like, it was, it was an ordeal. It was an ordeal, but we made it. And I'm, I'm really thankful I've been studying Korean because it came in handy. So after that point, uh, we were taken to a separate waiting area and it's bare bones. It's like these cubicles and it has a chair and that's it. So you basically sit there until um, they pull you for your COVID test. So I waited for about two, three hours and it's it's scary because you have no idea what's going on. No one tells you anything if you're a foreigner because they none of, nobody really speaks English, which is mostly because uh, most of the people running this are doing their military service. So it's not someone who's used to working in immigration or working with foreigners. It's these 20, 20, 20 25-year-old like Korean guys that are just got pulled there because it's their military service for two years. Um, and so it was, communication was was a little bit difficult, but again, Korean study came in handy. So we waited in these cubicles and I met actually another foreigner, this American girl uh, who was also in the same situation. And so together we like sat there, waited for a couple hours until we got tested. And they didn't tell us we were going to get tested. We had no idea what was happening. And so we leave all our stuff, follow this guy like down this path. And uh, it turns out we were being taken down to the tarmac outside the airport. And mind you, it is like 7 p.m. in Korea, in Seoul, in Incheon during winter. And it is like 30 degrees outside. And so they take us down in the elevator and we're outside the airport where we're getting tested. And it's this really nice nurse. And she's like, okay, up your nose, down your throat, and then done. But like, it was cold and you have to wait for the other people to finish. And so we're all like freezing because no one brought their winter coats because they didn't tell us we we're getting tested. Um, and, uh, and then the lady taking your test also doesn't speak English. And so I was translating for the other foreigner <laughs> and um, I told her like, Oh, the, the nurse, the nurse lady said, oh, it's going to be uncomfortable, but just like stay still. Like, do not move. Whatever you do, do not move. It's going to be uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. 
compared to all the tests I've had in the United States, this was like beyond. They like shove it way up there and move it around like in circles for like a good 30 seconds. And so it hurt. Like I still, I felt it the day after still like up in my nose, it hurt. And so um, <laughs> that was fun. Once we got tested in the freezing cold, they brought us back in to wait for another few hours. Um, and then we had to go through another interview session where they validated like our app, they validated our uh, quarantine site and called our contact. Finally, after about seven, six, seven hours in the airport going through all this waiting, we get taken to a different site. And they tell you before you take it to the site that there's no Wi-Fi. And so I was really worried personally because unlike the other Koreans and other foreigners in this group, I was the only one that didn't have a Korean phone plan, which means that I can't access data. And so I was like really nervous about not having Wi-Fi and not being able to contact, you know, the people I need to contact in order to like set up, pick up and drop off and things like that. Um, so we all load onto this bus, we get taken to this site and it's like this little, little facility right outside of um, the airport terminal and it's bare bones. It really looked like a converted office building. So it's like a room and there's a bed and there's like a tiny TV and there's bedding and a bathroom with no, nothing in it. Like the bathroom's completely empty and that's it. That's your room for the night. And so there's also a double, uh, a double pressure door. So there's two doors leading into the room and neither of them can be open at the same time. You have to open one then the other. And that's to minimize contamination whenever people, uh, the people working there come in and drop off things for you and help you with things. So it was a, to say the least, it was a very bland facility. And again, no one speaks English. So I had to like manage with my terrible Korean. Uh, but the lady was again, super patient. Like I'm really thankful for a lot of the workers that I met because they were all very patient with me and with my Korean. So um, we did like a health check, we did temperatures, we did symptoms. And then they were like, okay, if your test is negative, 6.30 in the morning, we're gonna pick you up. But in case your test result comes back earlier, we'll like send it to you. Um, and I'm like, well, I don't have Wi-Fi." And the lady was like, oh, well, there is Wi-Fi here. And I was like, what? They told us there's not gonna be Wi-Fi. And she's like, no, there's Wi-Fi. Like, look, look at your phone. And so there was Wi-Fi at this facility, thankfully. And so she said, okay, wait until they email you. If they email you earlier, you might be able to take it to the airport earlier. So we'll we'll figure it out. Um, and so that resulted in me getting like two hours of sleep because I was like trying to check my phone and make sure that I was awake in case they called me and reported my results. Um, so at 6.30 in the morning, they call us and they're like, you're negative. And I'm like, great, fantastic. So we pack up all our stuff and we head downstairs and they load us on a bus and take us to airport terminal. At the airport terminal, I met up with one of the other Fulbrighters who had also gotten stuck in the quote unquote fever trap. And uh, we waited it out at the airport for four hours until Fulbright came and picked us up. Um, and so that was my long ordeal with not speaking Korean and going through a seven hour processing at the airport. Wow. So based on how long you talked, it really seemed like a really arduous process. Um, but I do want to go back to one thing, which is you ended up getting transported to the terminal again the next day uh, and then got picked up by Fulbright. 
Were the other Fulbrighters picked up immediately from the, the terminal that day? No. So actually, we all were picked up the following day after arrival because we had to wait for our PCR test. And this is unusual. I don't think anybody else is in this particular situation. Um, we're kind of similar to like Korean nationals in that we have to get tested within a certain time period of arriving and we'll be quarantining at a private facility. And so uh, for others that are possibly coming to Korea, don't take this to be like a normal experience because it's not. It's definitely for people who have their own private residence. Uh, just for us, Fulbright qualifies as our private residence. So. Oh, okay, I see. So you all were just held up at the terminal until the next day and then they picked you up and you moved to your quarantine site, which we're going to talk about later. But during that whole entire process, did you have to pay for anything? Like, did you pay for any of the COVID tests, um, the second test that you got? No, actually. So we did have to stay in a facility overnight, right? So we had that like place that we had to go to. Yes. Um, no, we did not pay for anything because we were just kept overnight for observation. If you do the the government quarantine, which is two weeks at a facility, government facility, then you do have to pay for that. And that's like a couple thousand dollars. But for us personally, um, we did not have to pay for anything. So it's good that it was free. Um, how, but how did you make it to your actual quarantine site? Because you said you're going to a private facility. Did you take a taxi? Was there a bus? I think you said a bus, right? Yeah. So actually, since there's so many of us that arrived on that same day, we were able to take a, a specific bus to our uh, our quarantine site. And uh, our quarantine site was actually a bit far from where we were at the airport. It's about, I would say like an hour and a half or two hour drive. And so we were taken via bus. And um, the whole process though, I would say is very strict. Like overall, there are police everywhere literally everywhere and um like i said earlier there's a lot of military young military guys that are doing their service and that are got roped into this um so at every point there's like no way to leave you know which i thought was really great i think it's um really important just for general security and making sure that like you know people stay healthy and people adhere to the rules and so there was no point at which i felt like, oh, this could be kind of a loophole that someone could just kind of slip out or like, oh, this could be a way that someone could avoid all this. No, there's no avoiding it. You have to go through the whole process, which is which is really good. And I think proves why Korea is doing so well with the pandemic, right? Because like Korea's numbers are really low. Like in your province, the province that you're going to, the numbers are like what? It was, I think it was less than 100 active cases and zero new cases on the day that I checked. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is incredible because it's like the size of a county here in the States. Like a normal sized county here in Florida, you know, that's the equivalent size. Right. And population wise, it's even higher because Korea is much more densely populated and most yeah. than the average, you know, U.S. county. So they're doing a, a fantastic job and especially like making sure to stop infection at the point where they're most vulnerable, which is like bringing it in from the outside. Uh, yes. And so... We were very safely, very securely transported to our quarantine site. All right. So now that you're at the quarantine facility and you said you've been there for three days, you know, it seems like an entire day was spent doing processing. 
but you're at the quarantine facility right now. First question, what is the food like? Yeah, it's the most important thing, right? Yeah, definitely. Just like right off the bat, what are you eating? We are actually quarantining at a dormitory. And so um, the place we are staying is providing our food. We have something called doshirak. Toshirak is like like a, a bento lunchbox, for lack of a better explanation. And so I've actually sent you some pictures, right, of my of my meals. Yeah, you have. Yeah, we get three meals a day. Uh, and we were also provided with snacks, coffee, etc. at the beginning. Um, those were already in our rooms when we got here. And so we generally have like a rice, uh, some kind of protein. There's always meat. And then we'll have like four to five different side dishes to go with it. And then there's usually fruit for dessert um, and some kind of juice. Like they'd like to give us juice for some reason. We had a Capri Sun last night, which was great. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of what the food's like. The food is very good. Like I think it's not, you know, it's not super, super fresh, but it's good. And um, there's a lot of it. Now you say all the food is good, but you have discussed with me prior to this <laughs> that the breakfast options are interesting. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So for some reason, with every breakfast, there's like some kind of toast, right? Various different toasts. And then there's a salad. The salads, man, are weird. Um, yesterday's salad was like a green salad with a vinaigrette and cornflakes on top, like cereal cornflakes, which apparently are supposed to be a substitute for croutons because like this country does not have croutons for whatever reason. Yeah, so it's supposed to be like croutons, but like croutons and cornflakes are not interchangeable in my personal opinion. Like they're not the same. Um, they really aren't, no. Yeah. Yeah, so that was yesterday. And then today we had another salad for breakfast that had like cottage cheese and then a mayonnaise dressing, like just mayonnaise. And oh, so, just mayonnaise, not even like Thousand Island or anything like that? No, 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 no. It's just, it was like a man, it literally tasted like a mayonnaise dressing. <laughs> And so it was like a mayonnaise salad with a lot of cottage cheese. And um, they, just, they just think that the Americans just like that kind of stuff. They think that Americans put mayo on everything. Yeah. And Maybe. I'm not really sure why they think salad is a breakfast food for whatever reason. Um, but they do. And that's what we had. So I'm not complaining. Like the, the food in general is very, very good. It's just like the breakfast has been a little strange. But but always fun. It's always fun to like go out in the morning, <laughs> check my door, and be like, "Hmm, this is what, this is what we're doing today." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, you can't go and order food, and so I mean, there it's kind of like your mom making you breakfast, you know. Except you're paying for it for the mo for most people, you would be paying for this quarantine. Um, but since you're already there, and it's basically like your mom's bringing you food in the morning. But, um. I want to move on to the next question. Of course, we are FaceTiming right now. We're, we're on a video call. Mm -hmm. And obviously you have a Wi-Fi. But what are some of the other accommodations? Like the bathroom? Uh, what is your living space like? Uh, that kind of stuff. What is it like being in that facility? Yeah, so this facility is actually fairly nice. It's a little bit older. Uh, so it's very much like a dormitory with its own private bathroom. So like, there's a shower, toilet, sink. And then there are like three bunk bed type things with desks underneath. 
Um, and that's pretty much it. That's what's in the room. They did provide us with a lot of supplies. So like things like toilet paper, soap, water, bottled water, um, snacks, etc. were all provided as well. And so that's pretty much it. We're just kind of um, just chilling here. It's comfortable. Like I'm not complaining. It's been actually really nice to reconnect with a lot of my uh, friends from Fulbright via video chat. So like we Zoom or FaceTime or whatever during our downtime, during our mealtimes. The combinations are very comfortable. It's been fun. It snowed both days that we've been here so far. It's been really pretty to like look outside the window and see all the snow and then be like warm and like curled up in bed. No, it's it's really comfortable. So really thankful for that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned some that there were some things already prepped for you once you get there, like water. And they do give you a thermometer so you because you have to track your temperature every single day and report mm-hmm. that through the app. Um was there anything else that you kind of your program may have given you or the facility may have given you to kind of make you stay more comfortable? Actually, this particular facility gave us a kettle and it's this really cool, like collapsible kettle. It has like a silicon middle part that when you use it, you can expand it so that it holds more water and it heats up the water and whatever. But when you close it, it's very, very small. Like I would say smaller than a roll of toilet paper, toilet paper. And uh, that's like something that we can actually take with us because it's a gift from the facility that we're staying at. And so that's been fun. We get to have coffee, do tea time in the afternoon together. It's cool. Awesome. And so you mentioned just now that you were doing like tea time with your friends and video chatting. But of course, it's like the topic of cabin fever. What are you doing to keep busy? Like, how are you filling your days? Because you literally cannot leave your room. You're stuck inside all day. Yeah, I have actually been socializing a lot. It's it's crazy to think that like in quarantine, I'm spending so much time with other people. And so we've been doing like, like I said, mealtimes together, game nights. We had games night last night um, with a few of us and just getting to reconnect because we haven't seen each other in about a year. And of course, this is all over video, right? Because we can't, we can't go out and leave um, or do anything. Just keeping in touch with other people. I've also been doing a lot of work, like preparing lessons, um, doing this podcast. I actually am doing some some virtual talks with uh, the new incoming class for our program. And so that's been keeping me busy so far. I haven't gotten bored yet and I haven't gotten like cabin fever yet, but that's to be remain to be seen if that eventually happens. But I feel like very socialized and very, just very uh, happy to be back in Korea. Yeah. I mean, you've only been there two days, so... Maybe it's kind of like you're catching up on sleep and getting your sleep schedule in check because you're already um, on Korean time. Like you kind of force yourself to line up with that time already, which is really cool. And you don't have to worry about that for the rest of the, you know, the rest of the quarantine or even once you get out. But what happens after you finish this quarantine? Because it's two weeks, you're isolated, you cannot leave the room that you're in. Um, What happens after that? What do you do? That's a good question. I also don't know. Um, <laughs> so after quarantine, we are supposed to do like a little bit of orientation training before moving to our cities that we're going to be in for the rest of the year. Um, but I think overall, we're just going to be very contained because there are quite a few of us here. And so we will probably be an isolation bubble, um, not allowed to like go out and do things. We'll probably be staying together at, at the site that we are at. Um after we finish quarantine, I'm sure we're also going to have to readjust to like not being in a room. 
two weeks doesn't sound like a long time, but it does feel like a long time. And um, it can feel very isolating if you're not constantly um, meeting with people, doing things and keeping yourself busy. So I think that's my goal is to stay sane and, and just make it through the end. And then we'll deal with whatever happens after. That sounds like a plan. Well, I mean, we're finished with all of our questions. And today, I think is a little bit of a shorter episode because we're just talking about your experience of coming from America and getting to Korea, what that quarantine process has been like so far. And um, we're ready for our next section. Haley's fun fact. In 1665, Isaac Newton, then 23 years old, self-quarantined during the Great Plague of London. During his isolation period, he basically wrote the foundations for calculus and made the theory of gravity. This is from interestingengineering.com. Yeah, I mean, you said that you were just trying to keep saying Isaac Newton basically created, like, Calculus and gravity. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So maybe you should set your standards a little bit higher. Yeah, I need to, like, invent a whole branch of math and... um, create one of the most foundational theories of all time in physics so there you go yeah that's definitely well, what i gotta do <laughs> <laughs> yeah set yourself set your uh your goals really high but what i think is really cool is you know um in terms of like making sure that you you have things going on and you're keeping busy one of those things is you know we're working on this podcast right now um and this next week is going to be you know, we're, it's going to be pretty busy and I'm going to be flying to Korea. I have, oh, three days, three days before I fly out. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's going to be rough, especially if I have to go through anything remotely like what you, <laughs> what you went yeah. through. Um, and I speak way less Korean than you do. I will be able to maybe ask where the bathroom is. So hey, that's important. <laughs> that is, you need that. That is important. So that, uh, you know. I'm super excited to be doing this episode right now. Like, I was just thinking about it for the past few days, and I was like, I'm so ready to record this next episode of the podcast because, you know, we've been preparing for this. Our setup is made for this. We have the resources to do this, and I'm super excited for this episode and the fact that we're back. Even though, I guess, yeah, we We didn't miss last week. (laughs) Yeah, but we're back um, talking together because you've just been kind of like, off the radar for the past few days just because of um especially that first day when you landed you know communication was spotty it was maybe like all right moving to a different facility that kind of stuff so i'm super excited that we got this chance to like sit down and you know chat and catch up on it and i will be in the same time zone as you very soon yeah that'll be fun we don't have to coordinate across time zones but i think um all in all i think it's really important to just like stay calm because even though I'm able to like kind of you know, summarize it and talk calmly now it's it can be very scary especially when you don't really understand exactly what's going on um, and you're going through all these different things yeah absolutely be flexible you know it's travel and especially with you know the pandemic and everything like that it's kind of like you don't really know what's going to happen next and, and <laughs> I think this is for everybody who's going with any teaching program is we're all looking for answers and it's almost impossible to find like one consistent answer uh in terms of like you know 72 hours before uh the flight do you have to get it do you have to get the test taken within that time period um what are we doing after landing how much money do we need to bring that kind of stuff it's like i mean everything's basically just on the fly right now so i don't i yeah yeah it it's it's 
really, really, um, I think stressful. I don't know if it's scary, but it's definitely stressful. And I think normal travel is stressful. And then quarantine COVID travel is even more stressful. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think it'll be really worth it in the end. Like right now I feel great. I feel like a huge weight is just lifted off my shoulders and I'm able to relax yeah. a little bit. And um, I'm loving quarantine. So just like look forward to the end result, right? Look forward <laughs> to the end result of being able to rest for two weeks. Yeah, for sure. And and I, honestly, um, I was pretty glad that we got to do the quarantine. And there's a few reasons for that. One of them is, you know, you have that security of after you get out, it's not like you can just go around and do whatever you want, but the situation with COVID over there where you are is so much better in terms of containment and the general mindset of approaching it and being like, hey, it's very cultural. Just the way that Korea is handling the pandemic is, in my opinion, <laughs> better than what we've kind of gone through here in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the the other reason that I was really excited for the quarantine is I don't really have to adjust my sleep schedule beforehand i have those two weeks to make sure i'm not jet lagged by the time i go through orientation and have to start teaching so i I was excited for that reason too yeah definitely i think the key to switching time zones is to monitor when you're eating and when and when you're like active just like don't sleep for 24 hours before your flight and you'll be good wow (laughs) what advice yeah listen it works yeah i do plan on that um because I I can sleep on the plane. I can take naps like you did. Yeah, hopefully um, your flight is empty. Yeah, I, it's, it was kind of funny because looking at the seating diagram, the first class and um, like business sections were, were more full than the economy section. I, that was the last I checked, and that was maybe a week or two ago. Mm. So I'm sure there's more people on that flight. But for the most part... Um, I have those group chats with other people on the flight. And as far as I can tell, it's mostly just, it's just Epic teachers on that flight. Mm. So it's, it'll be uh, kind of like a time to introduce ourselves and see each other for the first time. So it'll definitely be interesting. Um, But Haley, I was so stressed (laughs) while you were flying over there. Oh my gosh. Because I wasn't sure, because you didn't buy Wi-Fi on the plane. You didn't like... The only time that she contacted us was like uh, when you're in the terminal or when you had access to Wi-Fi or when you literally were not getting like a swab shoved up your nose. And I was very stressed because I was like, oh, my gosh, did Haley land okay? Did she make it? Is she did everything go okay? Does she have enough money? (laughs) So today, yesterday and today, when you're like talking to us, messaging us, I was like, all right, she's okay. We're good. You know, that's, that's, I, I feel a lot better. Yeah. Oh, well, sorry to have <laughs> worried you and stressed you, but remember that feeling because uh, you got to keep us updated. Like once you land, you know, because I think I, I texted you guys once I landed and uh, once yeah, I made it to the quarantine it, site. Cause, your first layover yeah. and then as soon as you could, once you landed in Korea. But yeah, but I understand like in the moment for you, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, there's so many things going on and I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know how to, I don't have the time to connect to Wi-Fi, that kind of stuff. Totally makes sense. Um, so I I was just very concerned. No. <laughs> well, I'm okay now and, and you'll be okay too. Just uh, take it one step at a time and um, you'll make it. It's, it's stressful, but not impossible. And so I think that's the thing to remember. Yeah, I think... 
my stress has been kind of it's like a roller coaster this past week or so. Ever mm-hmm. since you left, I I was kind of like, oh my gosh. And then my <laughs> after you were okay, my stress went down. And then today, I actually got my test because it's within the 72 hours for my flight. Oh man, it feels really, really weird. Um, especially since it feels like, because I didn't really realize how soon my flight was. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, well, I have three days and I have so much that I haven't <laughs> cleaned up in my room. And I yeah, I know, man. You gotta, you gotta get that stuff packed. Yeah. So anyways, like I've basically purchased everything that I need um, for coming over there. I got a bunch of snacks and, and I, I think I am as prepared as I can be. It's just throwing everything in those bags and heading out. So I'll be there soon. And our next podcast, <laughs> I will be in Korea too. So it's going to be super exciting. That's going to be great. And we can do, we'll do another episode about your experiences and your quarantine. And uh, we'll update everybody, let everybody know that you're alive. Um, <laughs> everybody will, like here. will, yeah, we'll be able to take a breath. But um, yeah. hey, that was genuinely like a super fun episode to do and record and to listen to what you did. So Alrighty then. This has been the Hey Day Podcast. Remember, if you have comments, ideas, or suggestions for future episodes, please email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. That's the Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us for this fifth episode of season two, and we will see you next week when we are both in Korea. Woo! Annyeong. Annyeong. This podcast and the views and opinions expressed within are the sole views and opinions of the creators and are not associated or affiliated with the Fulbright program or the U.S. Department of State.